Well, good morning, Christian Fellowship. It truly is a delight to be here. And uh, everybody have a good weekend, 4th of July. Yeah? Anybody light off any illegal fireworks? <laughs> no? <laughs> They're all legal in Indiana? There was a family uh, that we knew uh, back in Ohio, and they would always go to, um, is it Shelton's fireworks stand? It's just right across the Ohio-Indiana uh, border there. And they would get all the mortars and illegal stuff. Well, they would light, I mean, they would save up all year long, light all these fireworks off uh, for 4th of July. I mean, they, thousands of dollars worth, okay? So one uh, 4th of July, I thought it'd be pretty clever. And I had one of those uh, bullhorns. It has the siren on it. So they were lighting off their fireworks in their back uh, yard there, and I showed up there with the siren and I turned it on. And I was like, This is the American place to fire. You know, and like you should have seen everything, like it got quiet, they quit lighting off fireworks, the garage door came down. I mean, it, it like it just was like a ghost town. Well, eventually the dad came around the side and he was like looking to see if there's any police, and then he sees me out there and he just He's just shaking his head. So I thought that was pretty funny. But anyways, you know, I did hear a story about a, uh, a Navy ship that was cruising around in international waters. And uh, as they were going around, they saw a small island and smoke rising from that island. So they sent a little reconnaissance uh, team to go see what was going on over there. And upon arrival, they found a guy there and they found three buildings and they saw him they said what are you doing here he says man he says I'm so glad you guys came he says I've been marooned on this island for such a long time and they said well what are these buildings here he said well that one over there that's where I live okay he said well, what's that one over there he said well that's where I attend church okay well what about that other one over there he said well that's where I used to go to church <laughs> Yeah, I know. Pretty terrible. <laughs> so this morning, um, we are going to look at um, a thing here about being transformed into the same image. And if you have your Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and uh, verse 18 is where we're going to begin. And as I was thinking about this, about being transformed, you know, there's a lot of things people want to change about themselves even in today's uh, society. I mean, it's no wonder that we have so many different people having all kinds of operations, um, some people getting uh, new elbows, new uh, knees, new brains, I mean, all kinds of weird stuff. But um, I think about the word transformed and being transformed into the same image. Here is a church uh, that Paul had spent 18 months spending time teaching this Corinthian church, spending time with them, trying to help them grow in Christ. Now, the Corinthian church was in a very diverse culture. I mean, there was all kinds of stuff going on. I mean, there was, it was a kind of a seaport, so there was a lot of things coming and going. And Paul really is trying to help them grow. 
And if you read 1 Corinthians, I mean, it's kind of a letter that just really just slams them and says, hey, these are some things that you guys are not doing right. 2 Corinthians, however, there's an attitude that Paul has towards them. And he comes to them and he's like, look, I don't want to come to you with heaviness, with sorrow, with guilt. He says, I don't want to have another painful visit with you. But I want to encourage you as Christ followers to live a certain type of way. Now, I'm not saying here at Christian Fellowship that we're a church that is, where sin is running rampant or uh, anything like that, but I do believe the principles here found in God's Word can be applied to our life to help us grow in Christ on a daily uh, life there. Let's see if I can get this uh, pulled up here. Having some... Nothing. Okay. Well, that's okay. No problem. So, transform. 2 Corinthians 3.18. Let's read the Bible here and see what God's Word has to say. It says, And we all, with an unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Now, there's a word there that's very important. It's the word transformed. It's the word metamorpho. The idea carries about uh, somebody that it's a transformation, it's a change, it's a transfiguring. Okay? When we think about that, Paul is trying to give us an illustration about this, and it's the idea of the way that a caterpillar transforms into a butterfly. You know, that caterpillar, it eats a bunch of, we just got a book for Evelyn. What is it called? The Big Hungry Caterpillar, I think. Yeah, I don't know. But anyway, it's about this caterpillar and it's eating everything. I mean, it's eating apples and oranges and berries and tires and finally it eats a leaf. And eventually that caterpillar forms a a chrysalis and after a while, there's a change, there's a metamorphosis that takes place inside that chrysalis, and out comes a butterfly. So, God uses this word here to tell us that there is an inward change, a transformation that needs to take place inside. There's uh, three instances of this word that we find in God's word. Two of them are found in the gospel accounts. It's when Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up on the Mount of Transfiguration. They're up there praying. And what happens? Jesus is talking with his father. And there is a transformation. They see Jesus Christ in all of his glory. He's unveiled right before them. And they see that transformation. It says that his clothes were changed. They became glittering white. They became white. And there was a transformation process that took place. Another instance that we find that word is in Romans chapter 12, uh, verse number 2. It tells us, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed, metamorpho, changed, transfigured by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So here's this transformation that is supposed to be taking place in our lives. Paul here is trying to drive this church to help them understand that there needs to be a transformation inside. By the way, if you are not a Christ follower, you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you have to have a transformation on the inside in order for you to have a relationship with Jesus. 
It's not a matter of just going to a church or uh, being baptized or trying to recite some type of catechism or things like that. It is a transformation that takes place and it's only through the Spirit of God. So Paul says here, and we all, and I want you to notice a few things about this, okay? First of all, it says, and we all. Now, who is Paul talking to? He's talking to Christians, to Christ followers. He says, we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. But we all. Paul didn't just say, we apostles. He didn't say this transformation that's supposed to take place is just for the apostles. Nor did he say just the elders. He says, we all, all of us, that's all of us included. If you are a Christ follower, we get to take part in this transformation process that Paul speaks about. But we all, with an unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree to the other. It's this idea. How many of you ladies this morning looked in a mirror before you left the house? Okay. All right. How many of you men looked in a mirror before you left this house this morning? I think total amount of time might have been two minutes total. It's the idea when we go to the mirror, we behold what we are. We are looking at that and we're saying, oh boy, boy there's some, what happened? Whoa, ah, man, we got to fix that. And we spend some time fixing that. Our hair might be a little messed up. There might be a piece of corn stuck in our teeth. I don't know. But we have to fix what is before us. That mirror is revealing what we really are, what we look like. Now, if I were to go to that mirror and I were to see myself for what I really was and go, wow, this is a mess. Oh, well, and go on my way. People would see me for what I really was. Now, the idea is carried like that to God's word. When we behold God, the mirror, in his word, we see ourselves for what we truly are. God's word unveils to us and shows us what is wrong inside. Now, if we do not take care of those problems, then we leave, as even James says, we leave and we don't care about it. We just go on our way, forgetting what type of person that we really are. So when we behold Jesus Christ in God's word, we see his glory and it makes a comparison of who we are. And we're just like, wow, there is some stuff that just does not meet up to par with Jesus Christ. And so there has to be a transformation that has to take place. Now notice here, look at the text again. It says, and we all with an unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. This is progressive. It's a constant transformation. You know, we as believers should never be satisfied with the status quo. Some of you in here have been followers of Christ for 20, 30, 40 years, 50 years maybe. I don't know. Maybe some of you have only been followers of Christ for six months, six weeks, one week, one day, six years, 12 years. I don't know. But we should never be satisfied with the status quo. We should always be looking for that transformation process to take place. 
We must be looking into God's word and saying, God, you show me what needs to be changed. Now, this is not a transformation that we do ourselves, because notice the text again. Look what he says. It says, into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. It's the Spirit of God that does the transformation. It is the Spirit of God that does the inner working inside of our hearts that we cannot do ourselves. Now, does that mean, okay, God, I see what your word says. I need to make some changes. In Jesus' name, I need changes. Amen. No. How does that take place? By beholding the glory of the Lord. If you back up in the text there, Paul gives us an example of that. And he tells us about Moses. Moses, here he goes up on the mount and he spends time with God. And as he's talking with God, communicating with God, Moses' face changed. It changed so much that when he came down off that mount, he had to put a veil over his face because his face was shining, it was glowing. He spent time with God. He spent time with the Lord, beholding his glory. So here's the question that we put into application for our life. Do I spend time with God? Do I spend time beholding his glory? Now we just had a great time here of worship. We sang about Jesus. We sang about his glory. We sang about the Lord. But is that what we're talking about? We're talking about individual relationship time with the Lord. So I have to ask myself this question. Do I care so much about my transformation inward that I spend time with the Lord? Am I spending time with Him? You know, all of us have so much time that we spend. You only have 24 hours. That's it. How much of that time are we spending with the Lord in a transformation? Are we content with where we are? Are we desiring to see God work in our lives in a more effective way? Paul is trying to get to these Christians and say, look, you need to spend time with the Lord, have a transformation in your life so that you can behold God's glory and God's glory transform you from the inside out. Now, that was my introduction. Now I'm ready to start preaching, okay? So what is the purpose behind our transformation? What is the purpose of that? Paul picks that up here in chapter 4. Look what he says here. Therefore, having this ministry, by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth. We would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. 
For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God into the face of Jesus Christ. So there's few things here that we find here what Paul is talking about. We have this ministry. What is the purpose of transformation? We have a ministry now. All of us, if you are a follower of Christ, you have a ministry. You have a ministry. What is that ministry, Paul? What are we supposed to be doing? Notice what the text says, all right? We have this ministry. Number one, his, he says we have renounced, we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. We've renounced them. Paul says, look, guys, I didn't come to you with cunning ways or deceitful ways about the gospel. He says, I've renounced them. He says, I'm not doing it underhandedly. He says, I'm not even refusing. I'm not going to sit there and tamper with God's word. We have a ministry. If we have been transformed, we have a ministry to live out, to not live cunningly, to not live deceitfully. To not live in such a way in which we dilute God's word or we dilute the gospel so that it does not have its full effect. Did you ever go to a restaurant and you ask for tea and you're thinking you were going to get sweet tea and you... And it's unsweet tea. How many of you like unsweet tea here? Okay, we'll pray for you. First thing you do, right? You have that unsweetened tea, you get about 18 packages of sugar. Pour it in there, stir it around, right? You're trying to change from what it is, okay? Paul says that the gospel that we are to be proclaiming is not supposed to be tampered with. We're not to be tampering with God's word. And you've seen this. So many times we, we see people that try to make the gospel more appealing to people. Can I tell you, Jesus doesn't need your help. Jesus died on the cross, and that's it. Jesus paid for our sins, and that's it. Jesus rose from the grave, and that's it. We don't sit there and have to try to make Jesus more beautiful to try to get people attracted to him. The gospel is what it is. The gospel is offensive. Paul tells us that when we preach the gospel, it is foolishness to people that are perishing. The gospel of Christ, the cross of Christ, is foolishness to those that perish. So we who have been transformed are supposed to be living in such a way that we are not adulterating the gospel, that we are not making it poor in quality, that we are living out Christ as he would have us to live out in that same image of Jesus Christ. Now the question I have to ask myself, what have I done in my life to try to make Jesus or make the gospel not as offensive to others? We had a very lively discussion in Sunday school this morning. If you don't come to Sunday school, I encourage you to come. You will be part of a lively discussion. But we had this lively discussion talking about things of us as Christians and how we fit into the world and this 
this battle that goes on, this spiritual battle. We are to be living as Christ in the world. So we have this ministry to renounce hidden, deceitful, cunning, underhanded ways. Notice what also Paul says here. We have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. We have a ministry to be commending ourselves. Now, Paul's going to take that. He's going to show that it's not ourselves that we preach, but it's Jesus Christ. So we as believers are to be commending Christ to others, showing forth Christ. How does all that happen? By the transformation process of us spending time with God, having that relational time. So when we try to make the gospel acceptable to others, we add veils to it. We are actually, in a way, kind of helping the God of this world. Because the Bible says the devil has blinded their eyes. He's put a veil over it. I don't know about you, but I don't want to have a ministry of helping the devil. I want to make that veil come down. I don't want to keep adding more veils, but because of the lifestyle, the life that I live, if I'm not living in the image of Jesus Christ, what am I doing? I'm putting more veils in front of people. I'm disguising the gospel. I'm not allowing the gospel to speak openly and truthfully. Now, if we can, let's get God's word to bring all of this here to a conclusion here, okay? So he says that we have this ministry, okay? But also, look at this. In verse number four, it says, In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, here it is, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So here we are supposed to see that a transformation helps us see the importance of Christ. Seeing the light, it is the glory of Christ. And please try to understand this. When I fail, when Mike Bird fails to spend time with God in his word, allowing his transformation to take place in my heart and my life, what I am doing is I am failing in letting the light of Jesus shine forth out of my life. That's why it is so important as Christ followers that we allow the transformation process to take place. Can you imagine if a caterpillar was eating all that food and then he goes, oh, what is this? This hardening, what's going on? Ugh, I don't like this. We'd be like, it's supposed to be a natural thing that's supposed to take place. 
Or if all of a sudden he breaks out, he goes, hey, where's, I used to have a wiggly body. Now I got these wings. What's going on here? I don't like this. There needs to be that transformation to take place. In my own life, when I fail to spend time with God and his word, I am not allowing the light of Jesus Christ who has commanded, who has commanded light to shine out of darkness. I mean, who are we? Who are we as followers of Christ to say that we have anything of value and worth to give to anybody else? I mean, last time I checked, I'm a rebel. I have a deceitful and wicked heart. I'm bent towards sin. I'm a, I, I, I'm, I have a sinful nature. But yet God says, I want light to shine out of your darkness. How does that take place, God? I'm supposed to spend time with him. And allow that transformation to happen in my heart and in my soul. Most of you work around here in the community. You work maybe in different areas. You work with unbelievers. You may work with believers. You have neighbors who are unbelievers. You may have neighbors who are believers. You have family that are unbelievers. People that know Christ who may not know Christ. God's command for us is for a transformation to take place. Now, what does that transformation look like? Have you ever thought about that? Does that mean we're skipping up and down the hallway singing, Jesus loves me? I mean, what does that transformation look like? What is it supposed to look like? The text answers that for us. Look what it says here. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. When I allow the transformation process to take place in my life, you know what? My life is no longer about me. It's about Jesus. My life is no longer about what I have accomplished. It's now about what Jesus has accomplished. My life is no longer about my schemes, my ideas, my thoughts, my plans. It's about what Jesus Christ is going to do, has done, and will continually do through my life. That is the kind of transformation type life that we are supposed to be living. And where does it start? It starts with us, one-on-one, -on -one, with the creator of the universe, spending time in his word, and allowing him to transform our lives. So a question we have to ask ourselves, all of us, myself included, are we willing to do that? Are we willing to allow God to transform our lives? Are we willing to allow him to allow that metamorphosis to take place? Not of ourselves. Not us saying, well, you know, I know I got some problems here, but I'm just going to, God, I'm going to really show you what I can do. No. It's coming to God and saying, God, I have nothing. I, I am miserable. I need you. I need you to transform my life, to change me into your image of your son. The world does not need to see 
me, you, or anybody else. They need to see Jesus Christ. That's what the world needs. There's a, a song by um, Casting Crowns. It's, it's really... It's a really neat song, but it talks about um, what this world needs is not another prophet in an Armani suit, you know. Um, it doesn't need a one-hit wonder. What the world needs is they need Jesus Christ. They don't need our denomination. They don't need our, what we hold as traditions. They need Jesus Christ. We need to tear down those veils and allow Christ's life to shine through us. So have we been doing that? Have we allowed Christ to shine through us? Let's pray together. Father, I am so thankful for what you've done in our lives. And God, as we consider this text, uh, just a very simple thought about the transformation process that takes place. God, we need your transformation. I need your transformation. God, I get so sidetracked by so many things trying to be than rather just allowing you to live through me. And Lord, I pray that you help us. Help us as Christ followers to yield to your presence, to yield to your spirit. God, we need your help. This world that we live in is dark and it's going in a direction that is contrary to your word and it's it just seems like it's getting worse and worse and we need the light we need light to shine out of our hearts helps to be those instruments of light father we thank you so much for your love for us and i pray if there's anybody here today that does not know christ as their savior lord they'll make that decision to believe in you to just simply believe to turn to you believe Believe the gospel. Believe your son, Jesus, and that they would have that relationship. Thank you so much for this group of believers, and may you help us to follow you. We ask all this in your name. Amen.